Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you and praise you for this day, Father. We thank you for this opportunity to bring your word to your people. Father, we pray for open hearts and minds, Father, as this word goes out. We pray that it will not return void, Father, but will accomplish what you sent it to accomplish, Father. And we just thank you for that opportunity in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. So this uh, guy had his in-laws over for dinner. And they were pretty deep into dinner and had multiple courses. And every time that they served another course, the dog would walk by and look at the mother-in-law. And it would go on a little bit and the dog would kind of go over to the corner and sit. And then they would put more food on the plate and the dog would come back over and look again. And, and finally the mother-in-law had all she could stand. And she was like, why does that dog keep staring at me? And the husband said, well, it's because you're using his plate. My, my laugh is down today. It's okay. We have a virtual church this week. Praise the Lord for, for the technology to do such. Uh, last week, we talked about being a giver and excelling in giving and, and how we had to have our head on a swivel and look for opportunities to, to give into God's kingdom, to give into the right places, to give into ministries, to give where there's need. Right? And Jesus had said, if you've done it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. And, and, that's, and that's good. And then we're going to piggyback on the giver. And we're going to talk about this week's uh, uh, topic, which is no fear. And I know they don't necessarily go together, but they kind of do. Because a lot of folks don't give for fear that they're running out of money. Right? They have a fear that they're going to run out of resources so they can't afford to give. Right? I mean, everybody is in that situation from time to time when, you know, the bills are tight and things are going and, you know, the air condition breaks or the, somebody wrecks your car or, you know, you knock out a window with a lawnmower or whatever, you know, and you have to spend money to, to, to take care of things and air condition goes on the blink or whatever, right? So, but, but what I want to talk about today is no fear. See, when, when, when God created us, as humans, he gave us a, a free will and an opportunity to decide who we were, where we're going, who, we're to, who we want to be. I mean, we, we pick our own names, right? I mean, there's not another animal on the planet that, you know, picks their name. And you might not pick your name, but your parents pick your name. But once you get to be 18, if you don't like your name, you can change it to whatever you want to be. I mean, you can change it into Cocoa Puffs or, 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 or oatmeal or whatever. I mean, you can change it into a slab of bacon. You can be anything that you want to be. We have a free will to decide it. So in the Bible, it talks about making decisions to make you a better person. And that's where the No Fear Sermon comes from. It is, it's basically a series of decisions or some commandments, not really commandments, but some details of making decisions. So if you will, turn with me. And, and we got a couple of scriptures to run through. I'm going to quote some and I'm going to read some. But we're going to go through it. Um, but if you will, I mean, I know you know where we're going. But First Peter, right? I mean, everybody everybody already knew this, right? We already knew the, the answer to the first scripture is the First Peter Man, and man, First Peter is so such a great uh, letter. Uh, Peter did such a great job. But it's chapter five, uh, verse seven, and it says, "Cast all of your anxiety on Him, because He cares for you." See, when, 
We care and we fear and we have anxiety about things that are happening in and around our environment around us. Now, there's nothing we can do to stop things good or bad happening in the environment around us, but we seem to be concerned about them a bunch. Um, Mr. Darrell actually asked, asked me this week if we were under a lot of stress, and I, I've kind of come to the place that we're I'm under so much stress with so many things going on, with so many hats and so many arenas, that I've kind of come to the conclusion that I don't care. I don't care. I'm going to do the best I can, the best I know how. I'm going to live up to the best I know how. I'm going to worship God the best I know how. I'm going to preach the gospel the best I know how. I'm going to build houses the best I know how. I'm going to be a parent the best I know how. And that's it. That's all I got. All I got is my best. And as long as I'm giving my best, I feel like I'm doing what God called me to do. But I am not going to worry or be anxious over this stuff. And see, Jesus actually was concerned over this, right? So if you will, turn with me to the gospel according to Matthew, right? I mean, Jesus was very concerned. He was concerned over the people worrying about what was happening and when was going to happen and what's happening next and what's going to happen then. And Jesus said in the gospel according to Matthew, all in red, chapter 6, verse 25, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or about your body or what you will wear is not life more than food, the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in bonds, barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can anyone by war worrying add a single hour to their life? You think, yeah, yeah, I get it, I understand. Do you really? Do you really get it? Do you really understand? Do you really buy into Philippians 4.19? This says that my God will supply all of your needs to his riches and glory. Because if you can, if you can buy Philippians 4.19, that my God supplies all of my needs to his riches and glory, then you cannot be fearful that you're going to give too much and not have enough left over. So you can't play both sides of the street. You can't be... And what happens when you try to play on both sides of the street, right? You end up in the middle. What happens in the middle? You get run over. It's not a good place to be. So we either buy in that God's word is true and it says that my needs are supplied through his riches and glory or it's not. Or we understand what Matthew 6 says and we're not going to be worried about tomorrow. We're not going to be worried about what we're going to eat. We're not going to be worried about our clothes. We're not going to be worried about where we're going. We have to make that decision of whether we are worried or not. And Jesus says, do not worry. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Now, that sounds really strange to us with us little pea-brained humans of, well, well, I mean, if I don't worry about me, then who's going to worry about me? Well, I think that first scripture we read says, do not worry but cast your cares on the one who cares for you. That whole thing, if God be for you, who can successfully be against you? If God is worried about what I'm doing tomorrow, where I'm going tomorrow, dispatch his angels over me to keep me from harm, to lead me by the steps of the righteous or led, then he's going to supply my needs through his riches and glory. Then what am I worried about? If the creator of the universe is on my side of the equation, who exactly is going to stand on the other side? See, that's the problem. If 
if any of y'all have ever done algebra, and if you hadn't, you, you need to talk to Miss Rourke, and, and she'll be a very good tutor on, on how to do algebra. But what happens in the, in the middle is, is, is equal sign. And if you're on the side with God, your side's greater than the other side. And if you're on the side with the devil, your side's greater. It's an unbalanced equation. But you decide, they're standing there, and there are two choices, to worry and fret and have anxiety and have fear, or to not, or to cast your cares on him who cares for you. There's an equation that says give and it'll be given back to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Shall men give into your bosoms? Or there's one that says you can't afford to give away anything because you're not going to have enough money to eat. So you can't be on both sides of those equations. You can't dabble in God's word. You either are for it or you're not. It's a free will. It's a free choice. You don't have to be anything you don't want to be. If you don't want to be on God's side of the equation, fine, exclude yourself. I do. I want to be on God's side of the equation. I want to not worry about tomorrow. I want to cast my cares on him who cares for me. I want to stand both firmly with both feet on my God supplies my riches, my needs through his riches and glory. And it doesn't matter if the stock market's up or down or the housing market's up or down or the interest rate is up or down or inflation rate is up or down. God's economy does not change. The Bible says it was the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if we cast our cares on him who cares for us, then what you worried about? And what happens? We worry, it turns into stress, turns into anxiety, fear, and dread. You ever seen anybody happy who was full of anxiety? You ever seen anybody happy that had lots of worry? You ever seen anybody that was just constantly agonizing over what was going to happen next and what's going to happen next and what's going to happen next? That's not a fun way to live. God says the joy of the Lord is our strength. And you can't be joyful and fearful at the same time. They can't coexist. All right, here again, the gospel according to John. <clears throat> oh, John, John, the one Jesus loved the most. John 14, verse 1, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me, and my Father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. Do not let your heart be troubled. Now that is not a... We, we make it sound really difficult. Well, you don't understand. I don't understand what? Are you or are you not letting, with your own free will, your heart be troubled? Because Jesus said in plain English... Do not, well, it probably wasn't in English. It was probably in Aramaic. But do not let your heart be troubled. So you have a choice. Are you letting your heart be troubled? Are you allowing the troubles of the world to seep into your soul, into your spirit, into your mind, into your heart? Are you allowing those things to control you? Are you concerned over the what's going on in the world? I mean, the Bible says to be 
absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I mean, what are we worried about? I mean, really, what are we worried about? He supplies all of my needs through his riches and glory. Right? What King David say? King David said, I was young once and now I'm old, but I have never seen the children of God beg for bread. Why? Because he cares for me. The same way he feeds the bird and clothes the flowers, he cares for me. He, I am a priority in God's economy. I am a priority in the kingdom of God. Not because I stand two steps higher than where you stand. Because I'm a child of the Most High God. A son of the Most High God. An heir and a joint heir with Christ. How can I allow myself to be drugged into, convinced, fooled, bumfuzzled into the world situation of being worried about what's on the nightly news and who's saying what and who's going where and oh, inflation is up and this is happening and the job market is down. God's economy does not have a recession button. We are not concerned over what God's economy is going to do. I know that it is... If, you, if you're building anything right now, you know the cost of material is up. Not as high as the cost of the building material in heaven when they paved the streets with gold bricks. I mean, you think about it. I mean, one of the, the cheapest things on, on a job site is concrete. And, and, you know, if you pave something or, or, or pour concrete, I mean, it is there. I mean, it's pretty inexpensive, right? Versus gold bars, it's really inexpensive. So when we allow ourselves to be drugged into, fooled into, coerced into, worrying over things that God told us not to worry about, you know, that's that whole, when Hosea said that my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, you reckon this was part of that? That my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Jesus said, do not let your heart be troubled. Do not make that choice to let your heart be troubled. Cast your cares on him who cares for you. It's our choice. We make that choice. We make that decision. And look, I don't care what decision you made yesterday or last week or two weeks ago or six months ago. If you've been living in fear and if you've been living in anxiety and dread and toting around all of this hard times and, 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 and angst and, and, and anything that builds itself up against God's word, I'm sorry. But today is a new day. We get another opportunity to do not let your heart be troubled. We make that decision regularly. Every time something comes against us, we make the decision to whether we're going to walk in love and faith and grace or in fear and anxiety and dread. We make that decision. Nobody makes that decision for us. Nobody has pulled a gun and said, if you don't fear, if you don't have anxiety, if you don't have dread, if you're not meditating on all the things that is wrong with the world, then what kind of Christian are you? Truth is, if you're Focusing on that, 
you're not doing a good job. Now, this is a tough subject, right? And, you know, people are more worrisome than others, right? And I, I read sometime, I read somewhere one time that the smarter you are, the more you worry about things, which maybe that's in my benefit because I don't really worry about a bunch. I, I, I'm pretty low on the list of things to worry about. And I, I catch myself from time to time being all wound up because of all this chaos and this stuff and that job and this job and this person in church and that person in church and those kids and them kids and my kids is bad and them kids is good. and I mean, it's all the stuff going on. And if I ever stop and look at it, I go, do not let your heart be troubled. One big step back. Let's think about that again. Do not let your heart be troubled. Even saying it standing in the pulpit, every time I say it, do not let your heart be troubled. I feel the anxiety and the stress of the world sh like shale off of me like, like a snake shedding its skin or scales falling off. It's, oh, God, I love you so much. You're so wonderful and you're so gracious. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for forgiving me of my sins. Do not let your heart be troubled. Whew. Lighter. Do not let your heart be troubled. I feel 10 pounds lighter. And I'm preaching this sermon to me and looking, if it doesn't apply to you, man, I'm sorry. I'm doing the best God told me to do. But we make these decisions. And you know how we know that we make those decisions? Because God's word says so. Turn with me. 2 Timothy, <clears throat> before I read this scripture. So many years ago, um, probably 10 or 11 years ago, I bought Mama and Crystal and the girls and a whole crowd tickets to go to Biltmore for Christmas. And when I did it, I mean, it sounds really sweet and cute and romantic. The truth is, is that same weekend I was going to Arkansas to duck hunt, and it's always better on me if Crystal has something going on at the same time that I'm out of town, because then I'm not such a bad guy. So I planned this trip and bought them tickets and booked the hotel room, had this whole ordeal where they were going to go to the Biltmore and see all the Christmas decorations. And, and, and overall, it was a wonderful trip. But sometime during the middle of the trip, it started snowing. And you know, we from Berkeley County, we don't see a lot of snow. We don't drive in snow, we don't have to deal with snow, especially, especially in the end of July, or beginning of July, into June. We, we, snow is the furthest thing from our head. But it started snowing. And my mother was driving, and she started panicking. Oh, I don't know how to drive in the snow. Oh, this, this snow scares me. Oh, I'm worried about driving in the snow. And Riley, the little smart aleck kid that she was at about three or four years old, piped up in the back seat, and, and Granddaddy loves this story. Oh, it makes Granddaddy smile when he tells the story. That Riley said, Mamu, God did not get, we did not get a spirit of fear, 
is not of God. It's of the devil. We do not get a spirit of fear from God. That comes from the devil. And Granddaddy just loved that so much. But the scripture is 1 Timothy 1, 7. For the spirit of God gave, the spirit that God gave us does not make us timid or fearful, but gives us power and love and self-discipline. He did not give us a spirit of fear. So if we're dealing with a spirit of fear, where did it come from? Where did it come from God? I mean, Jesus said, do not let your heart be troubled. Cast your care on the one who cares for you. So if we're living in this, this spirit of fear, it didn't come from God. And that makes it tougher, right? It makes it tougher when you're, man, I'm doing the best I know how. I'm trying really hard and I, I'm just afraid. Why? That part didn't come from God. God don't want you afraid. God wants you to have a sound mind. He did not give us the spirit of fear, but he gives us power and love and self-discipline. So when we find ourselves in a situation where we're just worrying and worrying and worrying and worrying, really need to check ourselves to see what's taking place. Who is driving the ship? Because the spirit of fear doesn't come from God. It does not. All right. First John. Man, we're getting through. I'm not real sure where I'm on with time, but I'm doing the best I know how. First John. Little John, way in the back. Chapter 4. Whoop, one page too far. First John 4 and 18. And John writing this letter says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. And the one whose fear has not been perfect in love. So if we're walking in the love of Christ, there is no fear. No fear. Nada. That don't let your heart be troubled. There's no fear. If we are walking in God's love, there is no fear. Fear of what? Fear of anything. What are we worried about? What we're going to eat? Where we're going to live? What we're going to wear? <laughs> we already read Jesus said, don't worry about none of that stuff. Don't you see the birds and the flowers? And don't you mean more to God than that? So what are we fearful of? And the truth is, if we're full of God's love, there is no room for fear. There is no room for fear. When we're full of God's love, there is no room for fear. There is no anxiety, doubt, dread, none of that. When we're full of God's love, and you go, yeah, but, you know, does God really love us? Oh, man, God really loves us. I mean, first, I mean, John 3, 16 says he loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son, right? But in Romans, man, you knew we were going to Romans before it was over. Romans chapter 8. I wish I could just memorize the last. I need to. I need to just memorize from like Romans 6 through 13 or so, just where it just, I mean, it is such good information. Paul did such a fantastic job writing the, the letter to Romans. But, but if you will, Romans chapter 8, verse 38, 
For I am convinced that neither life nor angels, oh, excuse me, I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, or any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation, all of creation, can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. So if there's no fear where there is love, and nothing can separate us from the love of God, then we've got to go out of our way to have fear, anxiety, and dread. Because if we're walking in love, <clears throat> if we're walking in God's word, if we are walking in his example, if we are living in the love that neither depth nor height nor anything else in all creation will separate us from the love of God, if we are immersed in that love, there's no room for fear. Is that not what it said? Let's go back to 1 John. What did it say? I, I, I wasn't listening good enough. I'm sure you were. I wasn't. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. So if I'm immersed in God's love that nothing can separate me from the love of God, what business do I have having fear? Fear of what? Angels or demons or powers or depth or height or width or depth or life. Nothing separates me from the love of God. And when I'm filled with the love of God, there is no room for fear. What are you going to fear? Death? I've already said, when you're absent from the body, you're present with the Lord. Hallelujah, we get to go to be with glory. And we, we, we treat that with such, you know, concern and fear and dread. Look, if the, the, the creator of the universe made this planet and all of its wonder and glory and amazing things, yet set aside something that's even better than that, that we call heaven, I'd be standing in line. It'd be like standing in line at Disney World. Just let me in. I want to go. But what can separate us from God's love? Because when we are full of love, there is no fear. Now let's go the opposite direction for just a second. So if we are full of fear, is there no love? Because if we're walking in anxiety and we're walking in fear and dread and disdain and hate and discontent, do we have the love of God in our heart? Not that he loves us, that we love him. Do we have that love on the inside of us? Can we show the fruit of the Spirit, that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control? Can we show that? Because when we're full of God's love, there's no room for fear. It's like going to Krabby Mike's and eating crab legs for an hour. When you're full of crab legs, there's no room for dessert. When you're full of love, there's no room for fear. I don't know where you would put it. Do not let your heart be troubled. He supplies all of my needs through his riches and glory. Cast your cares on him who cares for you. See, the problem is, is when stuff arises in our day-to-day -day life, we're faced with, oh, there's a challenge. Well, what's the password? Well, what's the catchphrase? Well, what do we need to know? Well, I bet it's in this book over here. No matter, no matter, no matter what 
hurdle, obstacle, attack, enemy, perpetrator comes against you, the answer to the problem is in the book. This is the cheat sheet. This is the, the answer sheet. This is all of the answers rolled into one. It's already been laid out. Thousands of years ago, from the creator of the universe that knew the beginning from the end, who knew everything, who said he is the Alpha and the Omega, the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same creator that loved me so much that he sent Jesus to die in my place that I may become a child of God, an heir and a joint heir with Christ. And if you really get to that position, that strategic position of being an heir and a joint heir with Christ, if you ever understand that, there's no negotiating against it. And, you know, I talk about negotiating a bunch. I mean, that's what I do, right? I negotiate a bunch. I negotiate with folks all different walks of life and, and, and big projects, little projects, lots of money, little money, whatever. But to be a negotiator, you don't give away a position of power. Yet, some of us are negotiating with the devil, a defeated foe, someone who cannot touch us, right? From a position of power. Do not let your heart be troubled. Do not give away your power. The spirit of fear is not of God, but a sound mind. He loved us so much that he died for us. That he supplies all of our needs through his riches and glory. That he has redeemed us from the curse being nailed to the tree. That we've been redeemed and bought back with a blood sacrifice. See, there's no bad position to be in. If you're a child of God, there is no negative. Unless we decide that's what we want to be. Do not let your heart be troubled. It's a choice. We give it away. We give away our peace. Our, and we accept the fear and the anxiety and the worry and the dread. It's a choice. It's like taking poison and hoping somebody else dies. We put it into us. It didn't come from God. He didn't give us a spirit of fear. Do not let your heart be troubled. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you and praise you for your word, Father. We thank you and praise you that you watch over it to perform it, Father, that it goes out, that it, it starts to uh, Start a, a revival in your community, Father, in your church, that we know that you're with us. And if you're with us, then who can successfully be against us, Father? That we bind and curse the spirit of fear that is coming against the church, Father. That we stand boldly in your word. And we give you praise and honor and glory for it. In Jesus' most precious name. Amen.